Hello, 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 it's me, Damien Barr, welcoming you back to another book of the week on the Literary Salon podcast. As I said that, I realised that that hello, hello, hello sounds like RuPaul at the start of Drag Race. Do you know what? I'm not unhappy about it. There we are. Now, this week's book is part of a growing genre of books that I wish had existed when I was a young man. I'm not saying I'm really old, I'm just saying that I wish I'd found this book when I was a teenager, because God, what a difference it would have made to my life. The book is called Differences Born on the Lips, Reflections on Sexuality, Stigma and Society by Michael Handrick. It is a story of his life and also his exploration of his culture and his community, both the one that he's from and the one that he is growing into. It's a story of him growing up as a young gay working class man uh, on an estate. Sounds very familiar to me. Um, it's a very intimate book. It talks, of course, about sexuality, but also about mental health and abusive relationships. So in it, Michael describes his upbringing as a boy who has got to hide his thoughts, control his movements, choose his words, and alter his accent to avoid ridicule or worse. And he asks how in adulthood someone finds a path towards a sense of self-worth when they grow up believing that they are worthless. Now, there are, are more and more books like this coming out and we just cannot have enough of these stories in this conversation. I'm thinking of Straight Jacket by Matthew Todd. Um, I'm thinking of Daniel Harding's book, which is just out called Gay Man Talking, all the conversations we never had. So this is just such a welcome and brilliant addition. As Michael says in his book, he's not alone in his experiences. Stonewall, um, their recent survey said nearly half of gay men in the UK have suffered from depression and domestic abuse. And in many ways, you know, this is a story not of, of who we are, but of how we are treated and of the possibilities that exist for us in the world and the possibilities that we make for ourselves in the world. Michael writes in his book, while the past can't be shifted, we can only learn to carry it differently and understand it to break cycles. We can write about it to make others aware. And that is the beauty and the gift of memoir. Here's Michael with more about his brilliant book. Hi everyone, I'm Michael Hendrick and I'm so excited and honoured to be reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon from my new book, Difference is Born on the Lips. This reading is about my childhood growing up on a council estate out in the countryside. And my first experiences of being made to feel different, of being othered um, in the world around me and the people who I grew up with, because my interests and my passions didn't align to the narrative that the world gave me, which was to be masculine and heterosexual and to live up to a certain type of masculinity because I was working class. Um, I was a gymnast, I loved reading, I loved writing, I loved pop stars like Britney Spears and 
this broke the expectations of what people expected of me. I didn't follow the narrative and the script of what it meant to be a working class boy. And this particular chapter um, was the very beginnings of Differences Born on the Lips, many years before I actually started writing it properly. And I really wanted to, to unpick what it meant to be gay and working class and to understand why I went through the bullying and the othering that set the the conditions for my mental health problems when I was an adult. And Differences Born with Lips kind of sparked off that for me to investigate what else in our society is it that displaces queer people and makes them feel different and like they don't belong in the world, whether that's culture or education or media and how these all weave and thread together to create the conditions for the mental health epidemic that is happening within the queer community. And I I also wanted to represent working class people differently to how we normally are. And I wanted to show the magic of my childhood, even though I was bullied, it it wasn't all terrible, you know, there was a great sense of community and I wanted to show the passion and the fire that there was on the council estate, not just the bad bits. So I hope it gives you a flavour and a taste of what's to come with the book. So here's a short reading for you. The park of my childhood was always divided in two, like one giant game of bulldog. The girls were at one end, some doing handstands against the garages, others weaving daisies into crowns and sitting coroneted while making nests from freshly cut grass. With matching crimped hair and pedal pushes, they sang the latest pop songs, each one assigned their place in the band according to their looks or personality. I always thought I would be sporty because I could do backflips like her. I wasn't asked to join. The teenagers on the other side played football with their still-breaking voices calling to each other to pass the ball, topless torsos pearled with sweat. I watched fascinated as muscle shifted under skin. I had an urge to be amongst them, to know them, to touch them. I wasn't asked to join. After the game, they sat on the climbing frame passing a cigarette. There were a gang of grazed knees and grass-stained tracksuits, the lingering smell of links mixing with smoke. They sat flicking ash from their cigarettes until the streetlights came on. They held them like lollipops as if they weren't quite ready to graduate from childhood. The cherry glowed in front of of mouths barely grazed with stubble. I picked a dandelion, breathed deeply and blew the wish-laden seeds onto the night's breeze to plant them somewhere else, somewhere in the future. The park turned the social division that we had been taught was right and normal into a stretch of real space. It was the hub of the estate where each gang of friends or family gang as mine was, played until dark. It was the place where our imaginations played out, boys chased girls to kiss them, where we read the local gossip, scrawled in pen under the slide, where arguments were settled with fights. Bulldog was one of the ways conflicts were resolved. It was prearranged. Whoever was the bulldog would know whom they had to catch easily. A coalition was then formed to gang up on the ones who had insulted us the visible prickling, the chest puffed, muscles and sinews, taut and ready to pounce, the thud of bodies being slammed on the grass, the sharp gasp as air was forced from their lungs, 
the cry as a sly punch was given. The cheering, the shrieking, the snarling, the shift of eyes and shimmer of fear when they realised it was a setup. Once it was over, we'd skulk off licking wounds or peacocking with pride and retribution. From the green sprawled the alleys and rows where we lived, all named after trees and birds. Even now I can still remember each one, where they branched and who lived where, ally and foe. It was a root system that we learned to navigate when running away from the man who chased us with an axe after playing Knockdoor Run, where we would need to fly if there was a fight, or the quickest route home before the streetlights came on. Down those alleys lurked old women who twitched back their neck curtains and watched us play. They whispered and wove what we did into their moth-eaten gossip catchers, and stored them there like embroidered prey until they next saw my nan at bingo. This game was their event of the week, held every Tuesday at the hall. My nan, the queen bee, sat in the middle as the other women hovered around her. She'd laugh with a cup of tea in her hand as they told her what trouble we'd been staring up. Trouble was our gift as we didn't have much else. We made do with what we had to the limits of our imaginations. We invented a dramatis personae for the characters on the estate, for that's what they were. They weren't of reality. Gummy, who chased us in her slippers, gums moist and shining as she screamed at us. The man who buried children under his back gate. The man who never entered or left the bungalow with the white door and thorn bushes spilling over his garden walls. We played it across the park where our trainers stuck in the rubbery surface like fingers in warm cookie dough, chasing grown shadows and screams until dark. We used a car bonnet to create a roof for our base, fashioning a rounder's bat out of a shoe. We hunted vampires and cast spells around alley corners. We built rafts, lashing together logs and branches, and tried to sail down the river where the smallest of us was selected as tribute to test whether they'd sink or float. They always sunk. During the winter, we slid on tea trays down the icy hill with our scars caught in the air and snow flurries, my brother skidding down on his bike and breaking his arm at the bottom. We found pennies on the street, ran to the shop to buy blackjacks and sucked them quickly, poking out our jet-stained tongues. A few weeks later, we were barred from the same shop for calling Bab, the owner, Kebab. It was a badge of pride when someone was barred from the shop. The ultimate glory was being banned for life. Life, a few weeks at that time, was endless, like the woods where we ran from dawn to dusk. The main entrance was a cemetery to the estate's junk, a precious place that, to us, could be plundered for everything. The rusted bike wheels crusted like halves of an orange left uneaten for too long, ripped sofas that could be dragged through the thicket and used as a throne in our base. It was the place where we tied string to tree trunks and bent branches to navigate our way through and back safely until we learned the routes as well as the streets we grew up on. Climbing trees and feeling dew-dipped moss under our hands to try to see where the treescape finished. It was where the teenagers allegedly had sex in a burned-out car. It was filled with drops of white during spring, then crushed blues and purples when bluebells pushed up between ferns and pines. The shadowed creeks and streams that shone pink, purple, red, like oil on water during sunsets. Mist dripped and draped on branches, light spun like sugar on leafy paths. We turned up home at night covered in mud. I never did find the other side of the woods. However, there was always enough to keep us busy within the estate. Under the froth of apple blossoms, the froth of blood from a split lip, the crunch of dried out branches mixed with the snap of bone. There were bleeding noses, chipped teeth and brawls that happened down alleys or on the green. 
doubled over, my mouth wide open. There was no noise and no air after I'd been winded from a kick to the stomach. The fist that smashed into my face. I didn't feel it until I was on the floor, staring at the scuffed trainers around me. The howling and laughing too sinister for children. The creak of the metal chains on the park swings as they went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. As I lay alone on the green with my eye beginning to mottle in red and green and purple. It crawled across my skin like lichen. Arguments behind netted windows. The glint of broken things on the park as the sun set. The flash of a knife as I saw a man being stabbed. The glimmer of blood down the alley that he'd never use as a trail back home. Difference forged us an identity, made us fiercely defensive and proud of where we came from and who we were, despite some of the trouble that went on. If kids from another estate came looking for trouble, we'd drive them away. The rich kids at our primary school knew not to mess with us twice after calling us skanks. When the police were called because a bin was set on fire or because of a fight or a smashed window, there would be a warning echo of police that cascaded down the alleys to warn everyone to play a very real game of hide-and-seek. No matter the divisions and bullying and anger that threaded its way through the estate, there was an undying loyalty to it and to protect ourselves from the hate we felt from people beyond its borders. We guarded what was precious to us, the smell of pine and bluebells in morning and the stickiness of resin on palms, thorn-pricked fingers, blackberry-stained lips and jam jar fishing. On bonfire nights, we'd all huddle together, white breath frothing from mouths, eating barbecue food, licking toffee apple remains from our lips. We ran across the frost-tipped grass, screaming, shadows flickering around us as the night exploded in colours, stars and gasps. There was a network of families where parents knew parents, grandparents knew grandparents. They would take us in, even if we were locked out, or offer a cup of tea despite long-standing feuds. Each street held a place of safety if we needed it. We defended our estate and ourselves fiercely. The estate was a parallel world that gave me a childhood that no one else I've met outside understands. My parents gave us everything we needed. The estate gave us everything we needed. We didn't miss anything. We had open fields where the farmer chased us with a gun, my cousins to hang out with, an orchard where we were pushed over the fence to scrump apples and launch them over the fence for my granddad to catch. This is what we knew, and this is what was normal. We didn't want anything different. We didn't crave for more and didn't know what we didn't have. So like all books that deal with our childhood, it has that amazing energy. That is the energy of childhood that we that we tap into again when we revisit it. Um, so it's full of those highs and lows. Um, and as I say, that really particular special energy. So thank you to Michael Hendrick. That was Michael Hendrick reading exclusively for the Literary Salon from his new book, Different is Born on the Lips. It is published by Flint Books and available now in all good bookshops. And he's doing a big bookshop tour, so check his website and follow him on Twitter so that you can find out where he is. You can also buy a copy from the Salon Bookshop on bookshop.org or you can use your local library if you're able to get there and get the book out for free. There is so much catharsis in writing about your own experience um, and even more so actually in reading it aloud. Thank you, Michael, for the reading. If you know anybody who would benefit from enjoying this episode, from thinking about their own story, then please share it with them. 
We are nothing as a community if we are not united and we welcome all our allies. So thank you for supporting the podcast and thank you for listening today. Take good care. Happy reading.